to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. In today's show, I'm going to lay out the most important things that I think creative people need to be including in their exercise routine. When we decide to make more time for exercise, or when we're deciding how best to spend the time that we're already using at the gym, it's important to keep a few things in mind. As a creative person, the gym is probably not going to be your entire life. And that means that you only have limited time for exercise and you want to make sure that you're making the most of that time. Furthermore, there might be certain things that other people would do at the gym that don't really make sense for you, given the fact that you use your body for work um, or the things that are important to you. So after many, many years of working with creative people, particularly with musicians, I've observed that creatives tend to have a similar set of challenges when they come to the gym, and they tend to benefit from a similar set of interventions. Or that's another way of just saying when we do certain things, creatives tend to look, feel, and perform better. So I'm going to explain six things that I think every creative person needs in their workout program, and this applies to you whether you are a professional artist or a performer, or whether you work a desk job, or maybe you're a lawyer, or you know you, you have something a little bit more normal, quote unquote, but you spend a lot of your free time engaged in creative pursuits. So let's dive right into it. The first thing is that we wanna manage risk. Now, let me first say that I think the risks of not exercising are actually a lot greater than the risks of going to the gym in most cases. It's pretty clear that if you're sedentary, if you're inactive, and if you're not eating well, over time, things are going to start to break down in your body. You're definitely not going to have the energy, creativity, and focus that you might otherwise have. And your quality of life is going to decline as you get older. So much of our physical function is really use it or lose it. So if you're not using it, excuse me, as you get older, you're going to have fewer and fewer options available to you. So I really do think that if you're listening to this podcast, you should be exercising, you should be strength training, you should be doing some cardio. Now, that being said, as a creative person, someone who potentially your livelihood relies on your ability to use your body or to express yourself using your body or your mind, there are certain risks at the gym that I just don't think it's worthwhile to take. Now, the level of risk is going to vary a lot depending on your personal fitness history. If you were an athlete and you had a lot of quality training doing certain things at the gym, you can probably do those things no problem. But if you're just getting started, especially if you're just getting started a little bit later in life, you want to be a little bit more cautious with certain types of activities. There's a concept of risk versus reward. And what this means is that every exercise has a risk and every exercise has a potential for reward or benefit. 
And what we want is to make sure that for our situation, the amount of benefit far outweighs the potential risk. So let me give you a few examples of this. One that I don't use a lot with my clients unless they have prior training from an experienced coach are the Olympic lifts. So cleans, jerks, snatches with a barbell. These are lifts that are very, very technically complex. Olympic weightlifting is literally an entire sport where people work to perfect uh, their form and their execution on these two movements, the clean and jerk and the snatch. People spend entire careers and lifetimes training just these two movements. So it's not really something to take lightly. And because of the nature of these movements, if you're not familiar, they both begin with a really heavy bar on the ground and they both end with the bar over your head. And to actually go through the lift, it's very everything's happening very quickly, which is what I mean when I say it's technically complex. So if you want to get good at Olympic lifting, if you have some interest in it or you have some past experience, I think it's totally fine to Olympic lift under the guidance of a coach. But if you're just a regular creative person who hasn't been in the gym that much, just wants to feel stronger, have more energy, have fewer aches and pains, it really doesn't make sense for you to be chasing Olympic lifting. Again, if it's something you're specifically interested in, I definitely encourage you to pursue it under the guidance of a coach. But a lot of gyms out there have people doing Olympic lifting kind of willy-nilly, and I don't really see the reason for this. If you're working to get powerful and explosive, you can do that with less complicated movements using kettlebells, sandbags, medicine balls. If you're looking to build strength in certain parts of the body, again, there are a lot less complicated ways to do that that have a lot less potential for injury risk. So in the case, again, of most creative people who just want to feel better, who don't really care about doing specific things in the gym, I don't think doing Olympic lifting is worth the risk of potential injury. Another example might be a barbell back squat. Now, this is a still a complicated lift and still a lift that's very demanding on your body, but it's definitely significantly less demanding than the Olympic lifts. Now, I still don't do a ton of barbell back squatting with my clients. Again, a lot of my clients come to me with a lot of past training experience. And if they tell me, yeah, I like to back squat, it feels good, then I might back squat them. But a lot of times people come to me and they say, well, I did some back squatting, but my knees would always kill me. It didn't feel great on my shoulders. Sometimes my back would bother me. And then if it's an in-person client or they send me a video as an online client and I see that their form looks like shit, I say, okay, this movement just isn't a great exercise for you. For whatever reason, it's just not working for your body. So again, if you want to be a competitive power lifter, which requires you to back squat as heavy a weight as possible in a competition, then we might need to figure out a way to get you back squatting. But if you just want to have stronger legs and you want to feel more uh, powerful and not feel so limited picking things up or, you know, getting up and down in your daily life, there are like dozens of other squatting variations that we can use that are going to be less technically demanding and probably work better with your body. So to kind of summarize this point, everybody's tolerance for risk and everybody's physical ability is going to vary quite a lot. What we want to do as a creative is think, what do I really need in my daily life to not fuck up? Like if I was a um, trombone player, like I used to be, you know, I would not want to injure my shoulder, for example, because I have to hold my instrument in my left arm and it requires a lot of shoulder stability. So if there was a certain exercise at the gym that I was a little questionable about my form or if it caused my shoulder to hurt or if I just like didn't really know what I was doing, I would probably avoid that exercise. And that's what I encourage you to do. 
I would encourage you to stay away from things that are really technically complex, again, unless you have a specific interest in learning them and you're working under the guidance of an experienced coach. I would encourage you to stay away from anything that hurts right now. It doesn't mean you won't ever be able to do that movement, but for now, it's probably better to work around it, build strength, and maybe figure out what the deal is, whether it's just inexperience, whether it's weakness, whether it's mobility. And then I would encourage you not to be in a hurry to do the most advanced things at the gym. Now, I understand you might not really know what's advanced and what's not. A general rule of thumb is that if you can get really strong with non-barbell weights, dumbbells, kettlebells, sandbags, when you do go to a barbell, you're going to have a lot better time. So just be cautious and and be aware of what you're doing at the gym. You don't want to hurt yourself at the gym doing something that you really didn't need to be doing in order to enjoy the benefits that you're looking for. Okay, so now we're going to dive into four points that are specifically related to strength training. The first thing that creatives need in terms of strength training is we need to be hitting all of the major movement patterns. What is a movement pattern? So the way that most people approach workouts is thinking about different muscles. For example, Monday is International Chest Day. (laughs) So I'm going to go bench press. Maybe I'm going to do like four or five different bench press variations. I'm going to do pecs. Um, And then maybe I'll do some triceps at the end. Done. No more pecs or chest for the rest of the week. Then the next time I work out, maybe I'm hitting legs. And I'm going to do all my leg exercises, hitting my quads, hamstrings, calves, and then no more legs. Now, this approach can work for some people, especially people that are more experienced lifters and who have uh, their main goal is to build muscle. But most creatives, their goals are going to be a little bit more uh, big picture than that. Yeah, they love to build muscle. Building muscle is really great for creatives, and I'll do a future episode all about that. But really, they just want to feel better. They want to feel stronger. They want to look good. They don't want to have anything limiting them when they're doing the things that they love. And for that type of goal, using these body part splits or focusing mostly on isolating certain muscles is not the best way to get there. The way that our body is designed to move is to integrate lots of different muscles and lots of joints all at once. And a movement pattern is basically a category of way that your body moves. So I'll give you examples of what I consider to be important movement patterns. One would be a squat. So any type of squatting variation and where you're basically sitting up and uh, sitting down and standing up, excuse me. Another one would be a hip hinge. So the real world example of this would be if you're picking up a box from the floor. You're going to be reaching your hips back, kind of using the backside of your legs a lot. And it's more of a horizontal lower body movement than a straight vertical like a squat. In terms of upper body movements, we have pushing. So pushing something away from your chest or pushing overhead and pulling. So the opposite, pulling something toward your chest or pulling it down from overhead. There are other movement patterns as well. So if we think about uh, locomotion, which is a fancy way of saying moving around, this is really like in some ways the most foundational movement pattern. It's the thing that makes humans humans walking around on two feet. But locomotion might include working on crawling. It might include doing different loaded carries. And it might include things like running, skipping, those types of drills. And then you can think also of single leg movements like lunges, split squats, and step ups. Sometimes you can group these in with squats, but they could also be thought of as their own category. So just to summarize that, we have squatting, hip hinging, upper body pushing, upper body pulling, locomotion, and single leg movements. 
Now, what we want as a creative when we go to the gym is to make sure that we're hitting all of these movement patterns. At least twice a week would be ideal. Unlike those body part splits where you only train something once a week, you're gonna get better results if you train something at least twice a week. It just makes sense. As a musician, if you only practice scales once a week, you probably wouldn't be very good at scales. It's the same kind of philosophy. Now, you might be practicing scales every day, two or three times a day. We don't need that kind of frequency in the gym, but we do need to see something multiple times in order to actually make progress and get better at it. Another reason that we want to do all these movement patterns is that we just want to be like a well-rounded human. So we don't want to have any glaring weaknesses if we can avoid it. We want to have what I call movement options. So when you're going about your day, you drop something, you trip, you're doing some weird physical task, you want your body to be experienced moving in lots of different combinations, especially these really efficient combinations, these movement patterns, because it just makes life a lot easier. And it also means that you're less likely potentially to get hurt in certain situations. And I'm going to talk more about that in the next point as well. But to summarize, it's fine to do isolation work. For example, you want bigger arms, you're going to do biceps, uh, bicep curls and tricep press downs. That's totally fine. But most of the time when you approach your workouts, you want to make sure you're doing these movement patterns, picking a couple of exercises from each of them at least, doing them a couple of times a week, and working to improve your form and get more efficient. The third thing that creatives need in their workout program is we need to be using full ranges of motion. So when we're doing, excuse me, these movement patterns from the previous example, it's really, really important that we don't sell ourselves short and use smaller ranges of motion than we could. So let me use a few examples that you might be familiar with. If you think about a bench press, let's use a barbell bench press just for the sake of this example. If you only lower the bar to like two or three inches off your chest and then you push it back up, that's an incomplete range of motion. The correct complete range of motion for a barbell bench press is lowering the bar all the way to your chest. So you start with your arms fully extended, you pull the bar down, tap your chest, maybe pause, and then push all the way back up. That's a complete range of motion. Another example would be squatting. Ideally, unless you have some really wonky mobility stuff going on or you have some prior injuries that make it difficult, we want to be squatting to at least thighs parallel with the floor. So sometimes when you just get started, I I see this a lot with new clients. They're just not familiar with squatting, so their brain and nervous system don't know how to do the movement yet. A lot of times I'll have these people squat to a box so they can see, okay, this is how deep I should be squatting. But if you're more experienced, and again, this is something I see a lot with barbells because people like to go really heavy on barbells at the expense of form, but let's say... You can bodyweight squat, goblet squat, it looks great, you're getting to parallel, no problem. But as soon as you go to a back squat, you're like two or three inches above parallel, you're no longer getting the full benefit of the squat. So what we want at the gym at mu- as much as possible is to move our joints you know, in these complete ranges of motion. Now, if you're not experienced at the gym, you may need to watch some videos, maybe speak with a coach, maybe record yourself so you can start to have a sense of what I mean because every exercise is going to have its own range of motion. But if you feel like you're not moving that much or you feel like you're cheating a little bit, you're really not doing yourself any favors. Now, there are some big benefits to using as full of a range of motion as you can at the gym. 
I mentioned in the previous point that training all the movement patterns gives you options in the real world and it makes you a better mover. Using full range of motions is similar. And when we're used to training at full range or end range of a joint, if we happen to find ourselves there in our daily lives, we're less likely to get injured. So I use tripping and falling a lot as an example here, just because especially as we get older, it's very common for people to hurt themselves tripping and falling. If you are used to weird positions, if you're used to absorbing force at different angles, if you've trained your joints to operate at their full range of motion, your body's not going to be as shocked or surprised when you find yourself there all of a sudden, such as when you trip and fall. And depending on the nature of the fall, this could potentially make you more resilient. Additionally, for creative people, especially certain types of performers, people who work with their hands, building or making things, you tend to get stuck in a really small range of postures and you tend to do a lot of small repetitive movements. Now, these movements are part of the craft of being an artist. And one reason why certain artists are so good is that they've really refined their craft and technique. However, we don't want to be living our entire daily lives in such a small, narrow range of movement. What we want when we're training and doing things at the gym is to make sure that we are maintaining a full range and full capacity of our joints to the best of our ability. When we only do these really small movements and we either sit all day or we stand hunched over or we're sitting in front of a computer, our body's going to hurt. It's not going to feel very good. You're going to start to have weird aches and pains, stiffness, and even potentially overuse injuries. So one thing that you can do to try to work to bulletproof your body is at the gym, use these full ranges of motion. Squat as deep as you can with good form. Do your push-ups or your bench press so your chest is touching the bar. When you're doing a row, make sure you're reaching your arms all the way out in front of you to get that big stretch on the back and then pulling back and using your lats there. So lots of ways to think about this, but basically don't go so heavy that you can't use a full range of motion. I say it's almost always probably 99% better to use a full range of motion and use less weight than to sell yourself short. Keep in mind that you're doing this as insurance and to help you become a better mover who's more efficient, who has more options, that's going to give you more energy back and it's going to make you a lot more resilient. Okay, moving right along. The fourth thing that creative people need at the gym is core strength. Now, I don't think this is a surprise to anybody. One of the number one things that I hear from new clients when I ask about goals and what they're hoping to get out of working with me is that people feel like their core is weak and they want more core strength. And this makes sense. So again, regardless of what position you find yourself in, if you're a writer or a musician who's sitting all day, or if you're working in a studio, building things, you're an actor, you know, you're moving a lot, you need your core to support you. You need a strong core that can resist unwanted movement and that can help you transfer force between different parts of your body. So the way that most people approach core training is not very helpful as a creative. The typical way to do core training is to come in the gym and do a million crunches and sit-ups and maybe do a plank, usually with shitty form. No offense. And these things are not helping you build that kind of real deep core strength and stability that you actually need. And in some cases, they might be making problems worse. For example, if you sit all day, every day, and your back is kind of rounded all the time, and then you come to the gym and you do a bunch of crunches and sit-ups, 
you're not building the kind of core strength that you need. You're just reinforcing the same posture you're in all day. You know, on the flip side, some people might need to do more um, different types of core training because they're standing a lot and they're always arched and extended. So this is really kind of a personal thing. But as a general rule of thumb, most of the core training that you should be doing as a creative person is what I call anti-movement core training. So let's use a few examples here. A crunch or a sit-up, you are moving. You're using your core to flex and round your back, okay? But a plank, you know, especially a plank with good form, you are resisting movement. You're kind of bracing and engaging down with your core. And if we move to a more advanced plank variation, maybe you're moving your arms or your legs, now you're using your core to resist movement in your trunk while you move your arms or your legs. And this is really the one of the main functions of our core. So other examples of anti-movement core exercises. Dead bugs are fantastic. Something called a payoff press or an anti-rotation press. So if you imagine a cable, like a, a cable pulley machine, and you have a handle set up about chest height, and you're standing off to the side, and you push it out in front of your chest, the weight of the cable wants to pull your body into rotation. So you have to use your core to stay really square. So that's what I mean by anti-rotation. Again, different types of planks, held forearm, elbow, um, push-up position, and side planks, or different types of moving plank variations. As you get stronger, things like ab wheel rollouts or fallouts with a TRX. Loaded carries are really great for building this kind of core strength. These are the type of movements that should make up most of your core training as a creative person. It's going to help you feel more connected. It's going to help you perform better at the gym. It's going to improve whatever posture you need to create your work in art. And it's probably going to help you if you're currently dealing with back pain. This is something that was huge for me when I was a musician. When my core was really weak, sitting and holding my trombone in all these rehearsals, had a, I had a lot of lower back pain. And once I built a stronger upper back and a stronger core, that back pain essentially went away. So we need core strength, but we want to make sure that most of the stuff that we're doing, again, is using our core muscles to resist movement in our trunk while some other part of the body's moving. If you want to do uh, some sit-ups, some crunches, things like hanging leg raises can be really great. Those things are fine, but, but treat them like you would bicep curls or lateral raises. Do them at the end of the workout. Have them be a smaller part when you have some extra time. The last thing that creative people need in the weight room, so this will be number five of six for our total exercise routine, is that we need to do some targeted mobility work. One of the biggest complaints I hear from creative clients is that they feel stiff in name the place. <laughs> a lot of times it's the hips, sometimes it's the shoulders or back. Every once in a while it'll be things like wrists or ankles. It just depends on what that person is doing most of the time. And one of the best things that we can do for ourselves is to open up and move those areas that are really stiff and make sure that we are creating some stability in those areas that we move a lot. So let me give you a few examples. When I work with other trombone players, a lot of times, uh, again, I mentioned when you play trombone, you hold it in your left arm. So a lot of times that left shoulder gets really stiff. And because a lot of time is spent sitting, typically, the hips also tend to get really stiff. So with my trombone players or my other brass players, we're doing a lot of hip mobility drills, different circular motions, doing some hip rockers, potentially doing a little bit of stretching. 
We are also going to be doing drills to kind of open up and expand the upper back and the shoulders. And these are really simple drills. Most of the time they're not stretches, but they're moving drills. Occasionally I will do held stretches with people as well. But when we just add this stuff in, even a little bit here and there in our workouts, you just feel so much better. Now, are you really gonna dramatically improve your mobility and change the entire way that you move? Research says maybe not, but in the short term, you're gonna feel better, you're gonna perform better at the gym, and you're just gonna feel a lot less shitty after a long period of time spent working. So the way that I encourage people to do this is to always do, first of all, some type of warm up before you lift weights. Um, if you're gonna do running or other activities as well, it might also be beneficial to do the same warm up then. And then when I write strength training workouts for my clients, I typically include mobility fillers. So let's say we're doing a group of three exercises and two of them are gonna be heavy strength training exercises. The third one will often be a mobility filler, perhaps for the hips or the shoulders or ankles, whatever the area of uh, concern is. And that's gonna let my client get a little extra movement in. It's gonna give them some time to rest between the main exercises. And it's just a lot less boring than spending 30, 40 minutes doing a bunch of different stretches and drills. So you can include this in your own workouts when you're doing sets, you know, when you're resting or in between rest periods, if you want a little more rest, doing some of these mobility fillers for these problem areas. Anything basically that gets used a lot or anything that like is sitting locked in one position a lot you'll probably know which areas feel tight to you. If you have past injuries, perhaps from training or sports or an accident, those are also potentially areas that you wanna make sure to address. Another thing that you could do if you spend a long time working or practicing or something like that, you could either in between, if you're taking a break, do some of these stretches, or you could do them at the end so you feel a little bit less stiff. There are a lot of ways that you could work this stuff into your day. But the important thing is that you're doing it and that you're, again, this is all about making sure our joints are moving well. We're maintaining as many um, capabilities and as much range of motion in all those joints as we can. So the goal is to just get us feeling good and to get us using as much of our body as we possibly can. So before I move on to the sixth thing that I think creatives should include, I just wanna say that of the last four points that I said, making sure we train all the major movement patterns, making sure we use full ranges of motion, building core strength and doing targeted mobility work. Another benefit that all of these have that's so important for creative people is that they're gonna give you more energy. And the way they're gonna do that is because you are gonna move better. Now I say this a lot, become a more efficient mover, move better. What does that actually mean? I think back to a time in my life where I felt really unathletic and it was difficult to do basic tasks and move around. And I just felt like clumsy and awkward. And, you know, when I would go into the gym, I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with this movement. And then now, like when I do new things, of course, I still struggle if it's brand new, but I feel like, okay, this is familiar. I know how to do this. It takes a lot less mental um, attention and effort. And then like the body is more efficient. So it's not wasting time moving things that shouldn't be moving or, you know, different things like that. So basically, it takes you less effort to do physical movements. They're more familiar to you. And what that does is it just gives you back tons of energy over the course of a day. This cannot be overstated. If you're currently really sedentary or you're currently not moving very well or you're not working out at all, you're wasting a lot of energy just going about your day doing your daily life. 
working out, becoming more efficient at the gym, becoming stronger, getting those joints to work better and work better with each other is going to give you back a lot of energy to use for the things that are most important. So that's another benefit just to all this type of approach to strength training in general. Okay, so the last thing that I think creatives really need to include in their workout programs is targeted cardio work. So in recent years in the fitness industry, there's been a lot of people saying like, oh, don't do cardio. And I hear it for a lot of reasons. On one hand, you have the meatheads who say, you know, you work hard to get strong and build muscle. And if you do cardio, you're just going to waste away. You're going to lose all your gains. So you shouldn't do any. And then I've also heard people say like, oh, if you do cardio, you're just going to be super hungry and you're going to eat all day. And so you should avoid cardio. Now, both of these things might be true in certain circumstances for certain people. They might be true if you spend like three hours on the elliptical or, you know, you run like, I don't know, a huge amount and you're not eating very well or things like that. But that doesn't really apply to the average creative person. I think you really do need to be doing some cardio. Now, I'm not saying that you should just go out and go for a run. Uh, As a side note, I think that running is great, but running is a a really skilled exercise. It's not just something that you automatically are going to know how to do or be prepared to do. So if you want to run, I think working with a running coach to help you or buying a program to help you ease into it is going to be really helpful. So when I say cardio, I don't want you to think I only mean jogging. In a lot of cases, I actually don't mean jogging because it's not going to be the best choice for you right now. If you're already an experienced runner, you can disregard that point. What we want to do is we want to train our body to create energy faster and get better at using energy. So we want our heart and our lungs to be pumping oxygen throughout the body. We want to have the infrastructure in our body that we can actually take this stuff up. And, you know, we want to have things in our cells like mitochondria that are going to be creating energy for us at a faster rate. And we also want to become more efficient at using different types of food as fuel. So using stored fat or using carbs. Ideally, we want to be able to use both in different circumstances. And these are things that you might get somewhat with strength training, but they're really adaptations that are driven by cardio training. Now, we can go really in the weeds with this, but I would say that if you're just a regular creative person who doesn't have a specific performance goal, the best thing that you can do is once or twice a week, do a cardio workout where you're keeping your heart rate between probably about 110 and 145, maybe 150 if you're a little bit younger, continuously throughout. Now, this could be done on a piece of cardio equipment like a bike or a rower. It could even be just doing like really continuous strength training movements. So maybe you do, I don't know, three minutes on the rower and then you do some loaded carries and you do some mobility drills on the floor and you repeat that. Like that would still count as long as you're keeping your heart rate in that target zone. And again, what this is going to do is it's going to just start the process of you creating more energy for yourself and being more efficient at using fuel. Now, if you are doing this again, it's really important that you don't just go all high intensity right away. I'm going to definitely do an episode on this because I think it's a huge misconception, but A workout doesn't have to crush you. You don't have to be in the red zone with your heart rate in order for you to get better and for you to have the adaptations that you're chasing. In fact, when it comes to cardio training, especially if you're just starting out, it's better to do low and moderate intensity. If you can't recover from the high intensity workout, you're not going to be getting any better from it, even though you feel like you had a good workout. So when you're doing these cardio sessions, really don't try to push the intensity. Now, 
if you're someone who's fitter, who's more experienced, and especially if you're someone who has a specific performance goal, maybe you're going to run a race or do a triathlon, or maybe you're going on a backpacking trip, or you're trying to get in shape for like a rec ultimate frisbee or basketball, then you might want to start to incorporate more intense forms of cardio. But that's a conversation for another time. In the meantime, everybody should be doing at least one, if not two of these, what I call cardiac output, moderate intensity cardio sessions, 20 to 60 minutes, or maybe a little bit more if you fill up to it once a week. I promise you, not only are you going to feel better and have more energy, but your health is going to improve. You really, really need this as a creative if you want to have a long, happy career and you want to feel your best and have all of the energy and focus that you need on a daily basis. So let me summarize the six things that creative people need in their workout routines. The first is we need to manage risk. There are some things at the gym that are riskier than others. In general, exercise is very safe and the benefits of not exercising are worse than hitting the gym. But if a movement is really technical or really heavy or it hurts you, it's probably not your best choice for you right now. We need to make sure we do all the major movement patterns. So again, those are squatting, hip hinging, pushing, pulling, locomotion, which is carrying, walking, crawling, and doing some single leg stuff. Make sure you're doing ideally two of these things over the course of the week. More it can be better as well. We need to make sure we're using full ranges of motion. So if you're squatting, make sure you're squatting as deep as you can while keeping your chest up and your heels down. If you're bench pressing, bar goes to your chest. Every exercise has a full range of motion and we want to make sure that we're using it for our joint health and to help us just become more resilient, well-rounded humans who aren't stuck in these tiny movement patterns and uh, postures all day long. Next, creative people need to be building core strength. Most of your core training should come from anti-movement exercises like planks, dead bugs, and payoff presses. An exercise is an anti-movement core exercise if you're using your core to resist movement in your trunk while you're moving some other part of your body. Number five, creatives need targeted mobility work. You shouldn't be spending 40 minutes warming up for a workout, but you want to make sure you do warm up and you want to try to sprinkle in some mobility drills or stretches into places in your workout or your day where it makes sense. You should focus on those areas that you either use a lot for your work or those areas that you don't use very much and are either really stiff or kind of stretched out. And then lastly, creatives need to do some targeted cardio work. If you're just getting started, I suggest doing one to two moderate intensity cardio sessions. And then if you have a performance goal or you're someone who's a little bit more advanced, then you can start to add in some of the higher intensity stuff. But don't be in a hurry to just go do a group class where you're sending your heart rate through the roof the whole time. That's actually not helping you. It's going to hurt your recovery and it's not going to make you better in the long term. So if you want more help putting together a workout program, applications are open for Stronger, Fitter, Better, which is my three-month online coaching program specifically built for creative people. We use a combination of strength training, so a lot of the principles that we've talked about today are included. We talk about my sane and simple nutrition philosophy and how you can integrate it into your own life. And then I give you real tools and systems so that you can make changes that actually stick. If you want to learn more about this, you can visit the link in the show notes. It's carolinejusterfitness.com slash strongerfitterbetter. If you visit the page, there'll be a link to book a call, and that's where we'll just hop on the phone to make sure you're a good fit before moving forward. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I will see you on the next one.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong. Oh, 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 oh,